our next edition of the Dan Siegel Show, a part of the Pipeline Network. Today is June 6th. We are in the midst of college baseball and softball postseason. 82 days until college football begins. And as of right now, we have Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, and Louisville, who have advanced to the Super Regionals. As we record, UNC has a do-or-die game against VCU later tonight. By the time you guys hear this, you will know what happens in that game, but I do not know the result yet as we record. Our guests today will be mostly a football show. We'll have Chappie, who is a national college football analyst and FWAA member, on to do a little fun college football futures betting segment and we're also going to have four blogston who is a boston college blogger and he is going to talk to us a little bit about the future of the boston college athletic department because they just hired a new ad blake james miami fans you know him yes that blake james he used to be the athletic department at miami for a good number of years good handful of years and he is now at BC. So let's talk about all that with those guest segments. But as usual, our top five ACC storylines of the week will kick off this episode. So we begin with number five. Boston College offensive guard Christian Mahogany has been ruled out for the season due to a new injury. First off, prayers up for a friend of the pod, a really good dude, and I am not happy to see this news for him. It really stinks for his giraffe stock as well and his ability to make money because we see guys like him who are not clear-cut first-round picks but have the potential to be one, but then they get injured before the season starts and NFL teams do not want to take the risk. They end up dropping several rounds. We see several of those guys every single year, and I just fear that Mahogany might be one of those guys. Also, regarding the Boston College team, he was going to be the anchor of Boston College's offensive line, really one of the top guards in the country. Boston College had four of five of their offensive linemen last year leave. All of them were stars. They also had their positional Coach Lee for the offensive line. So Mahogany was really that one known factor on the line. Now he has been ruled out for the season. So that really sucks for Boston College. Number four. Vance Honeycutt is really doing incredible things. The UNC baseball phenom, freshman phenom, won ACC tournament MVP. Last week, we talked about him on the last episode and what he did there. He has been on an absolute tear going into the tournament and through the tournament. In his last 75 at-bats, he has hit 14 home runs. So think about that. If you go 14 for 75, that's like a realistic bad batting average. All of these are home runs. 14 of his last 75 at-bats have been home runs. I mean, that is just hard to really fathom over that span that's a 1483 OPS. He robbed a home run defensively as well with one out in the ninth that would have tied 
the elimination game versus Georgia. So UNC continuing to dig themselves out of a hole led by Vance Honeycutt, the the phenom freshman. And will they win that final game to get to the Super Regionals? Well, we'll find out tonight against VCU. All right, let's move on to number three. Virginia Tech baseball is headed to their first ever Super Regional. They really, like we predicted in the baseball segment on the last episode with Matt Sethkovic, they mowed down Columbia and Gonzaga and Wright State. So just three games get to the Super Regionals, 3-0. and It was all that was needed. And their bats are good enough to win a championship. Nine of their... I'm sorry, seven of their nine starters have an OPS above 1,000. Run totals in their three games that they played were 7, 15, and 24. Their bullpen is really good too. The question is, can they get length from these pitchers? Because only playing three games this weekend really helps. It reduces the fatigue factor that they will face down the stretch. But there's going to be three games in three days next weekend. And then if they're able to make it farther, even more difficult situations. And can they get length from guys, from starters, from super relievers? That will be the question for Virginia Tech. And they'll be playing the winner of the Gainesville Regional that will also conclude pretty shortly. All right, let's move on to our number two storyline. NC State's freshman phenom Tommy White is in the transfer portal. He broke the NC State home run record and NCAA freshman home run record. NC State baseball program simply cannot catch a break. Last year, they had to forfeit the tournament as they made it into Omaha. They even won a couple games before they just had to forfeit overnight. This year in the tournament, they were snubbed. Now this happens to their superstar. And look, I I think the Wolfpack will survive on the field. They have, they made it like deep in the tournament last year without Tommy White. They didn't even make it this year. Like it is very possible for them to survive and still be very good program without Tommy White. He's just one player in a baseball team. But it does hurt their brand more than anything because he really got them on the national map. And he was the talk of ACC baseball, of college baseball even. So that's the deal. He did not get pushed away. Like it's not like a Jordan Addison situation where it was NIL and money from a different school. It was more about being closer to home is what I have been hearing, and that's why I believe his most likely destination is Florida State. Here is our number one storyline in the ACC from this past week. The NBA draft withdrawal deadline is over, and here are the results from that. So we know who's in the NBA who knows going to the draft. We know who's not going to the draft. Drew Timmy is one who will not be going to the draft. He will be playing in college next year. And this is significant because a lot of the traditional bigs don't have a high NBA demand and are staying. This is great for the college game 
because it keeps the element inside it. We're going to have a lot of dominant players who are just true traditional centers. Aside from Timmy, there's Armando Baycott, Oscar Shibwe, Hunter Dickinson. All will be, all had dominant seasons last year. All will be returning to college next year. Trevor Keels, he is going to the NBA draft. That hurts Duke's backcourt. Duke, looking at their roster next year, they have a lot of size, not a lot of ball handling. They do return Jeremy Roach. For NC State, Darion Sebron is going to the NBA, but Terquavion Smith is returning. So with NC State, Terquavion Smith had over 17, I think over 18 points per game last year. They could see some improvement. I'm not sure what's necessary to save Keats' job. But I think if they show signs of pushing forward, then he stays another year at least. Isaiah Wong, he's returning for Miami. So Miami looks in good shape to return to the tournament. And, you know, in addition to Isaiah Wong in their backcourt, they will be having Nigel Pack, who is all Big 12 at Kansas State. He will be transferring over, so... That is the NBA draft withdrawal deadline news. That's significant. Um, and I guess that'll do it for this segment. Let's move on to bringing on Chappie onto the show. Chappie, the college football writer. Because this is a really fun segment. We are going to talk about some college football futures and talk about how we would divide $100 if we had it to spend. And it'll give you more details in a sec but let's bring Chappie onto the show to do so so we are now joined by Chappie the college football writer Chappie appreciate you joining the show how is it going today hey what's up Siegs uh you know the way I look at it is I'm healthy it's almost summer and anytime I can talk college football definition is that life is good brother yeah, wholeheartedly agree with that, and I think today's segment is going to be a very fun one as well. We are going to imagine that you are given $100. I'm not actually giving you $100, but let's just imagine I do. <laughs> and you are to spend it on college football futures and try to get the most money in return. How are you dividing or spending your money? And... First off, I, I, I gave you ACC win totals. I gave you national championship odds. I gave you ACC championship odds. We have Heisman odds. These all came from Draft Kings, by the way. And um, by the way, New York colleges can't be included. So if Syracuse is in the ACC championship, the bet is invalidated and you get your money back. I don't foresee that being an issue, but just in case. But yeah. We each made a list, and uh, Chappie, I want you to start with your most, what would you put the most money on? What bet would you put the most money on if you got $100 to divide into futures bets? So I, I love this concept, Dan, and the first thing I took was $30, and I'm putting that on the under UVA 7.5 win total. The way I see it is it's going to be hard to get to six wins with a healthy Brennan Armstrong. But if he goes down, what's going to happen? I mean, you look at their non-conference. They go to Champaign, Illinois. They play an old Dominion team that I think is is going to be 
better than people expect from the group of five teams. I'm not necessarily saying that they come and topple uh, Virginia, but we've seen ODU beat Virginia Tech. And, you know, then they, toward the end of the season, they play Coastal Carolina in a non-conference. Um, I believe that's at, um, in Charlottesville. But then, you know, you throw that on top of a, a competitive ACC conference, which is a lot better top to bottom this year than previous years. I just don't see where they can get eight wins because really that's what that total means. I mean, seven and a half, obviously they're not going to get a half a win. So I'm putting 30 bucks as I see it as easy money. I really, I went through their schedule. I see Virginia winning three games this year. So I think that's a very safe bet in my opinion. Mm, Interesting. Three games. That's a little low. I mean, I was thinking Virginia is a very tough team to project because they do return Brendan Armstrong, who I think is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And then their defense is completely new. It was awful last year. Their entire coaching staff, pretty much, besides a couple assistants, are new, including their head coach. So it's very hard to predict. That's why I just decided not to go in the direction of Virginia at all. None of my bets involve Virginia. But for I spent the most money, $25, on Georgia Tech. I think... They're going to go over three and a half wins. That is minus 125. The conference is going to be as tough to predict as ever, but one thing I can bet on is that there's going to be some parity. And Georgia Tech's non-conference schedule is as difficult as it gets. Georgia, Ole Miss, UCF, Western Carolina, and then they also have to play Clemson in the Atlantic. So let's say they go one and four in those games. I think that's kind of the safe thing to assume. Now you're asking them to go three and four in the rest, but all those teams have question marks. We're talking about Duke, Florida State, North Carolina, uh, Virginia Tech, UVA. Like all those teams have question marks for them to, even if we'll say they don't beat Miami or Pitt, you're asking them to just win three of those games. I don't think that is out of the realm of possibility. And uh, like Georgia Tech, this is three and a half wins. I'm not saying they're going to have a winning record, but I don't think with the upgrade assistance on the field and recruiting a little bit better and like in the transfer portal, not just getting these four stars and not doing anything with them. I don't think asking for four and eight is unreasonable. No. And I like that pick because um, I mean, Jeff Collins, this is a year he's got to get it done. So, you know, watching the spring game, he kind of seemed like he had a, a, a cool, a coolness to him, even though he knows what the pressure's on, but he didn't seem like a coach that was pushing the panic button. Like it's almost like he, he looked out as though he's got the ACC right where he wants it. So I like that pick Dan. Appreciate that. How uh, is your, uh, your second most, I'm not sure how you divide it up, but what did you put the second most money on? Yeah. So my second one, and I have three at $20, but this one, I feel the best of, of, of my next few picks and that's Louisville over six and a half wins. I think this is a team that, um, I'm really, it really is a gamble for me because I could easily see them winning nine games, maybe even more, just given that they've got Scott Satterfield, who is an offensive minded coach with a very good offense, um, a dark horse Heisman candidate, Malik Cunningham. I think they're going to have one of the deepest backfields in the conference. Jalen Mitchell is a bruiser. They get Tyon Evans transferring over from Tennessee. Uh, Travion Cooley was another guy that uh, was starting to heat up late in the year. I know that they lost some pieces at wide receiver, but coaches really like Tyler Hudson coming over from Central Arkansas. D. Wiggins and his speed comes from Miami. I liked what Huggins Bruce did last year. And then 
for my money, Marshawn Ford may be the best tight end, you know, quote unquote, in the ACC. Um, and then you throw on top of that Lance Taylor and his work with running backs. He's actually the offensive coordinator this season. If they can improve on defense, which I, I think that they're set to do, they get a couple good transfers like Momo Sonogo from Ole Miss, Jermaine Lillet from Arizona State. Um, I think that helps them up front. And then in the secondary, Quincy Riley from Middle Tennessee, Jarvis Brownlee over from Florida State. So I think the pieces are all there as long as Satterfield plays with a chip on or coaches with a chip on his shoulder, like I expect him to do, and kind of quiets all those uh, murmurs about how he was looking for greener grass. I, I really like Louisville to to win almost double-digit games this year, but I certainly see them above the six and a half that Vegas has met. Not to mention, I think they have one of the best offensive lines in the country, at least the best yep. in the ACC, in my opinion. So I like that bet. I actually went with something similar. I kind of hedged myself a little bit. So this was not my, this was actually my least money I put on, but I put $5 each on the over 6.5 wins for the entire middle of the pack of the Atlantic, Florida State, Louisville, and Boston College. I put $5 each on them. And my, my assumption is that I don't know who's going to get over that mark, but I think at least two out of three of them gets over that mark. To me, like I said, th there's going to be a lot more parity in the Atlantic division than Vegas thinks. Vegas thinks it's going to be Clemson running away with it and beating up on everybody based on these odds. I think two of them could get to seven wins. In this pack, Florida State, Louisville, and Boston College, in that grouping, none of them really have that difficult non-conference schedules, so we're really asking for four and four in the conference, maybe even three and five, and I don't think that's unreasonable at all. No, no. And I think that that's a good pick too um, and, and smart by hedging there. Um, my next one, I'm going to go with um, staying in the ACC, although this isn't my most confident of the, the last two $20 bets that I'm going to put out there, but I'm going to take the under Wake Forest eight and a half wins. Now it pains me to say that because anybody who follows me knows that I am a huge Sam Hartman fan. Uh, nobody wants him to succeed more than I do. And I think he will. But for them to top and, and really even get close to their magic season from last year, I mean, they're not a uh, they're not a sneak up in the grass team anymore. This is Dave Doran has or I'm sorry, not Dave Doran. Um, Clawson has this team exactly where he's he's built them at. And, and they're no longer looked at as an automatic W on the schedule. So speaking of their schedule, their their non-conference is fairly easy, but. The ACC, like you and I have talked about, there's a lot more parity. It's a lot more competitive. They got to play Clemson at home. But they travel to Tallahassee. They got to go to Louisville. They got to go to NC State. And then they've got UNC at home. So none of those are gimmies. I, I see them winning eight games, but to, to stretch it beyond that is, is not something I feel overly confident about. Uh, even though they return a good amount of, you know, talent on the outside at receiver, especially getting Donovan Greenback, and they have, um, a lot of experience on that offensive front, even though they lost Tom, you know, JV Nash comes back at tackle. So if he's healthy, things will be good, but I'm not sold on that defense, especially in the back end necessarily. So uh, I, I'm going to take the under on Wake Forest eight and a half wins this season. Okay. So I was kind of questioning because I thought eight and a half was a good line. I w if I were to lean one way, I would actually lean maybe the under with you. But yeah, what I said with my $20 bet, one of my $20 bets, I want NC State to win the ACC. That is plus 1100 
The top four in the ACC are Clemson at minus 135. So that's a heavy favorite. Then Miami and Pitt are viewed as teams with remote shots at plus 600 and plus 850. Probably Vegas views them. They are the likely candidates to be in the game and anything could happen at least. But like they're, they're viewing Clemson as a runaway. How I view them, I think Clemson has a very legitimate shot to make the playoffs, but not to the extent where they are so much better than everybody else in the ACC. I think NC State at plus 1,100 is a very good value play. They are easily a top two team in the conference right below Clemson, and I think there's not enough of a gap for me to think it's minus 135 and plus 1,100. I think NC State could very realistically be in and win that championship game. Yeah, I'm with you on that. The only hesitancy I have about NC State taking it all is the fact that they have these huge expectations. In fact, I would I would venture a guess that most people either want them or expect them to be the top team in the conference this year. So can Dave Doran, I got the coach right this time, can Dave Doran have his team ready for that? Are they mentally prepared to go through that, that long stretch, that long haul? And then when they have to meet up with Clemson uh, potentially in – um, or yeah, you know, when they when they when they get their chance with Clemson, are they going to take care of business? They have to play at Death Valley this year, so if they get through that, um, you know, honestly, I think the the winner of the Atlantic is is going to win the ACC this year. I'm I'm not sold on Miami in year one, but look out for them in years to come. So um, yeah, I, I think that's a, an extremely valuable pick, and I don't I don't blame you for taking that, Dan. How are you? So my next you, yeah, go for it. I was going to say my next $20 bet is going outside the conference. And um, I don't, I don't like saying this, but uh, Alabama to win the national championship at plus 200. I just think that, I mean, even without their transfer transfer portal halls with Saban, with everything they have coming back with a returning Heisman trophy candidate with, um, you know, the, the talent that they've been recruiting, but then you add in Jameer Gibbs, you add in Burton at wide receiver um, you know, you have another Heisman candidate at Will Anderson on the outside, not to mention Dallas Turner, who gets overlooked opposite outside linebacker. I just think that they are way too stacked. I'm not sold that Georgia's a team to repeat this year. In fact, I'm kind of predicting that Georgia stubs their toe in week one against Oregon, but we can talk about that another time. So I just see $20 as an easy bet, plus 200 Bama winning the natty. I put my $20, I'm returning to the ACC, and I do agree with your reasoning there, but... I thought I wanted to put Pitt at the under 8.5 win mark. That's plus 105. Look, they did a great job last year with Kenny Pickett, but now they're a team relying on a roster pretty similar to last to previous ones. You know, they have a solid but not elite quarterback. They have a good defense led by dominant defensive line, but we've seen Pitt teams like that before and go eight and four. But losing Jordan Addison too, there's not that star superstar power that the championship team had. So I think a step down from 10 to two, 10 and two to eight and four is very realistic. Keep in mind, they play Tennessee non-conference. They're very good. They play West Virginia, who I think they should be better than, but it's a rivalry game. I wouldn't imagine, I haven't looked at the spread, but I wouldn't imagine it being more than a couple points. So Pitt under eight and a half is going to be my $20 bet. Yeah, and I like that one. I mean, even though I, I want to root for Pitt, I love Coach Narduzzi, but I just feel like Pitt is becoming that team that a lot of other ACC teams are starting to hate and starting to become a rival just because 
Um, there's something about Pitt that these other teams say, you know, we can't lose to this team. They're they're good, but they're not that good. We shouldn't be losing to Pitt. Pitt should not have won the conference last year. I kind of get that feeling from around the from around the league. So uh, my last bet here, I'm going to take my my final ten dollars and I'm going to put it at what I consider a pretty valuable pick, and that's Travion Henderson at plus two thousand to win the Heisman. Now, um, hear me out on this. I know C.J. Stroud's going to put up huge numbers, and I know that. Um, you know, he's probably going to be the Heisman front runner. And honestly, if you had to ask me right now, who do you pick to win the Heisman? I would probably say CJ Stroud. However, he's going to split votes with these other guys. And what happens when Ohio state, when a team figures out CJ Stroud or God forbid he gets injured, or maybe the elements are, are weighing him down, then the difference is going to be Travion Henderson. And I think if he has a big 200 yard game, when CJ Stroud, doesn't throw for 300 through the air or maybe throws a couple of picks and Ryan Day has to turn to the ground game. I think Henderson, that could vault him to near the top. And I'm expecting Ohio State to run the table, go undefeated, win the Big Ten championship. So by then, I think that maybe both those guys get invited to New York. And um, if CJ slips a little bit, I can see Henderson winning there. So at plus 2,000 with 10 bucks, I think that's a, uh, a valuable pick. I almost did the exact same thing, but... I wanted to put ten bucks. I, I've eighty. I've spent eighty right now, so I have twenty more. And I did two ten dollar Heisman picks. And for my first one, I wanted to go with the Ohio State offense, and I did. But I actually went with Jackson Smith and Jigba at plus wow. three thousand. Ohio State should have the best offense in the country. CJ Stroud plus two fifty. Not much value there. I'm totally with you. Henderson right. at plus two thousand, but. Wide receivers are winning it more these days and running backs less just because of the way offenses are trending in terms of play calling. So I was very back and forth, but I went with uh, JSN just because there's more value. And then sure. Jameer Gibbs was my other pickup, also plus 3,000. Another long shot, but we saw how good he was at Georgia Tech. He was good enough to be a pure wide receiver as well, I believe. So with him as a weapon in both ways in the Alabama offense as a running back led by Bryce Young. Look, this is, this is a hundred dollars. So if either of these guys win the Heisman, I mean, I, none of my other bets could cash in, but I'm making really good money here with a uh, plus 3000 odds. Yeah. not to mention, and I'm curious to see if Saban uses him in the kick return game, like he was used at Georgia tech, or if he's going to learn from the Jalen Waddle uh, disaster and, and keep Gibbs just at running back either handing the ball off to him or swinging it out of the backfield. So, but yeah, I, I like that second pick a lot. Yeah, that's a good question because Alabama's filled with athletes. I'm sure they could find someone else who's maybe not as valuable as a pure weapon in the offense to use as a kick returner. But if Jameer Gibbs sure. were to be used as kick returner, we know how good he is. We saw that at Georgia Tech. So yeah. that concludes our segment where we use our own $100 to bet on who we on the bets that we would make but i wanted to introduce our first voice of the people vop segment where you guys you guys as twitter users and discord users submitted to us what you would do if you had a hundred dollars to bet on college football futures so we're going to start with I'll, I'll read through the Twitter ones first. So my man, cautiously optimistic Pitt fan said, I would not gamble, but instead use it to buy one gallon of gas. And man, I do not blame you. But let's say, let's say we wanted to win enough money 
to buy multiple gallons of gas. Let's say he wants to even fill up an entire tank of gas and make a lot of money. Let's go with what Rollywood Scott would do. He said Wake Forest under eight and a half with all one hundred dollars. That's that's what you did. So I guess a hundred dollars seems yeah, like a <laughs> hundred dollars seems like a lot to just do with one bet, but understandable. Yeah. And then Price Blissett, I mean he's a weight guy. He said I would bet every penny on the week over. So when there's two polarizing views between two rivals, that's kind of what leads to me. Like, oh, maybe I just don't bet on that at all because they could, I guess either could happen. But um, this one I want to talk to you about. Colby White Mamba 54 said, Will Anderson plus 3,000 Heisman and Boston College over six and a half wins. So I'm with you on the six and a half wins. What do you think of Will Anderson at those odds? If there were a defensive player to do it, it would definitely be him. Do you see that realistically happening, though? Or, I guess, enough value with plus 3,000? I think as long as his numbers are anywhere close to what they were last year, I would assume that the the college football media, with all the uh, blowback that uh, was received last year with him not getting invited, I see him getting invited to New York. Um, Again, provided he stays healthy, provided the numbers are there, but... I just don't see a, a defensive player winning the Heisman Trophy unless they're someone like Charles Woodson. And I always go back to Indomitian Soon. That was about, about one of the most dominant defensive statistical seasons that anybody has ever had who didn't play in the secondary. And if he didn't win it, I just don't know that uh, college football is ready for that yet. And that's where I'm going to pound my fist and say there needs to be a defensive Heisman. And it needs to be on the same night because I'm, I'm tired of seeing these outstanding, talented defensive players like Will Anderson um, get gypped because of the fact that, you know, historically it's given to an offensive player and offense is sexier and blah, 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 blah. Being a a defensive appreciating type guy, um, I would love to see Will Anderson win. I just don't see it happening this year. Totally with you. Defensive individual players needs to be appreciated more and not lumped in. Offensive linemen, the exact same way. They go under the shadows and I think the award for the best offensive lineman needs to be more publicized but that that's actually a very good point i never thought of that but yeah same night so it gets the same publicity i love that sure uh discord we had two submissions through that we had the the leper said jameer gibbs at plus 3000 that's what i said and then they also yep. brought up the point the fact that unc and nc state are only separated by one in their win totals hmm like he, he thought about that he thought he actually jumps to the conclusion maybe he wants to bet the UNC over just because it seems too high. I mean, I'm trying to understand the logic here. Like, what are you thinking with that? I actually, I mean, UNC is another team that I I see them at at least eight wins this year. And, you know, call it the Mac Brown factor. I know they lost Sam Howell, but they've got two pretty good guys that are competing for that spot in Drake May and Jacoby Criswell. I think that they're they're – skill position at receiver is better than what people are going to think. They're going to be young there, but you know, Josh Downs is, is maybe the best in the, in the league. Um, you know, a Bolitnikoff candidate. And I think that their defense is going to be a lot better this year under the tutelage of Gene Chizik. I think he's simplifying things and allowing his athletes to play. We know that they've recruited really well on the defensive side. Um, now that almost seems like a slap in the face to NC state, because do I think that North Carolina is within one game of the Wolfpack? At right now, it's hard to say yes, but when I go through my predictions, I don't see them that much uh, separated in terms of win total, and maybe that's because I'm, I'm downplaying NC State a little bit. 
Uh, maybe they'll prove me wrong, but um, you know, it's the Tar Heels are going to be tough to tough to see how they do at this point in the season. And then at the end of the season, they're a team I could say, well, yeah, I I'm not surprised that they did that well, or I could also not be surprised at how they they flopped on their face again. Our last submission came from S. Woolard. He said, with my 100, he broke this up kind of like we did. He said, he's doing 50 on Bama to win the Natty. So that's like what you did. Since yeah. He said, since they literally win it every other year. Um, 20 on NC State over 8.5 because he thinks they go 9-3. and three. He said, 20 on Georgia Tech under 3.5 wins. He actually said he doesn't see them winning four, four games with that schedule. And he said the last 10 on NC State to win the ACC because why the hell not with those plus 100 odds. So Sam is thinking very similarly to how we are, except for that Georgia Tech he thought about the under. But the last thing he said, he said, I'd bet a bazillion dollars that DJU is nowhere near the Heisman, not within 1,000 miles of it at the end of the year. That is the last talking point I really wanted to bring up. Yeah, I I think it's going to be we're going to learn early on if, if he's nowhere near um, like the like the listener said, then it's going to be time for Kate Klubnik because uh, Dabo's got no more time to wait around. And uh, I, I'm a, I'm of the belief that he's a talented quarterback. He's cut some weight. I think that he will rebound this year, mainly because he's got enough weapons around him and um, that offensive line will work itself into shape and, and that defense is going to help him out leaps and bounds to where I think relatively speaking, he's going to look better this year. I certainly don't think that he's, you know, top five Heisman candidacy, but I don't know if I'd put him that far out of bounds from it because if he's leading an undefeated Clemson team going into the middle of November, going into that uh, Palmetto game against um, South Carolina, then we could be looking at a potential top five Heisman finish for DJ you only because um, the players around him have boosted his play up and, and he will rebound. So, and the only thing is, we saw Kenny Pickett for a good, not great, pit team in, in the scheme of the entire country. We saw him have an amazing season numbers-wise and still not win the Heisman, which makes me to believe it. the Heisman Trophy winner has to go to like a top five, like a playoff team. I don't think it... Yeah. So, in terms of ACC quarterbacks, it would have to be only DJ Uyunglele. So, that's why I guess he has such high odds. I still wouldn't bet plus 2,000, like I said, but... No, some people maybe would. That's why Vegas has it that way. So, uh, Chappie, I appreciate your time. Had a lot of fun doing this with you and definitely looking forward to what the future holds. Yep. Anytime, man. Love talking the game. So that was our college football betting segment for today's episode. And I appreciate you guys sending in your submissions of what you would do because I'm kind of curious to see where we are if we're on the same wavelength if we're not and the voice of the people segment will continue in every single episode in the future so check my twitter check on the pipeline discord you will be able to see the question for the week which is going to be released on the mornings of the episodes which as of now is monday i'll make an announcement if it changes to sunday but um speaking of which actually Let's bring a word from today's sponsor, which today is indeed the Pipeline Discord. 
Come join our growing community of college football and basketball fans where we talk games, news, recruiting, predictions, and much, much more. And be sure to stop by our betting channel to maybe pick up a hot betting tip. That's the Pipeline Discord. Link is in the description. So now we're going to bring on for Bloxton, Chris, the Boston College blogger. And we're going to talk a little bit about the new athletic director hiring in Blake James and a little bit of the outlook of the BC athletic department. Here we go. So Chris, the artist known as for Bloxton on Social media is now on the show, and Chris, I appreciate you joining. How's it going, man? I'm doing all right, Dan. The man, how's it going? It's going well. Um, you know, it's like I've talked about on this show. What do we have till college football? We have 82 days, so not bad. Just too much e- time. Too much time, but like every week, it's getting less. And with college baseball going on right now, I mean, I know not for you guys, but in general, like. <laughs> Not not for me either as a UVA fan, that's over, but it's going, I enjoy the sport, so it's helping the time go down a little bit. But yeah, I wanted to talk about Boston College, and the first thing I wanted to bring up was the athletic director, Blake James, who is now at BC, we know him as ACC fans, at Miami, so where he was for a good six, seven years before that. So how do you think he fits into this Boston College athletic department? Are you... Like, maybe give us a scale 0 to 10 about how happy you are about the hire. Um, well, I, I'm not usually known for hyperbole, so uh, I, I hope that uh, my dismay will come across when I say that I would give this a 2. Uh, I think this is an all-time bad hire uh, at, one of, at, at a time when BC really needs a good hire to kind of shepherd them through what's going to happen uh, with the NCAA over the course of the next 10, 20 years. Uh, and I don't know if this is the person to do it. Um, I think it's a scared hire because we've lost the past two ADs uh, in less than 40 years time. Um, and both of those were Martin Jarman was a fantastic hire. Uh, Pat Kraft was a good hire who did things very differently than Jarman, but was still seen as an up and comer and, and riser. Um, and in terms of the types of hires we've been making, Blake James seems like a very clear overreaction to losing our past two ADs to other bigger schools. Um, and I, I have to say that I, I am not pleased with the hire. So what do you think is maybe the top one or two red flags that you see about Blake James when you evaluated him and you're like, hmm, I'm not sure I like how he fits in? Sure. So I, I actually have I have three things, and if you, you you cut them, you cut them. But the the, the number one thing is, it, you know, he only really made one or he made two bit football hires while he's there for the big sports. Um, you know, he goes Rick. He did Diaz. Uh, he inherited Golden at Miami. Um, I, I I consider that a net, you know, neutral. So I I, I don't I'm not overly excited about any of the hires that he made, but I won't hold it against him too much. Um, you know, overall there, you know, you, you have to deal with it a little bit. Um, but overall I'm not too, I don't really care one way or another on it. The, the two things that really stick out to me though, one, he has so many ties to the NCAA and it's being touted as a big plus. Like, oh, it's sat on the board of directors, did all this other stuff. And, and to me, 
I, I read that and I hate seeing that. I hate it. I hate seeing that because it, the NCAA, as we know it, as we've had it for at least in this iteration, we'll say since the 2000s, that's gone. That's gone or going away and is going to fundamentally shift and change over the course of the next 10, 20 years. And I don't really care about someone who figured out how to thrive and succeed in that system. I need someone to get me through what's next. And that leads me into my final point is I don't see, he seems to be a great fundraiser, which again is a good NCAA thing, but I wanted this hire. If it's someone who's going to be a longer term hire, I need this hire to tell me how BC is going to navigate through the NIL waters to be able to actually survive this and not be playing, you know, uh, three divisions lower come 2040. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and I don't think he scratches that age. I, I don't, you know, he was removed from Miami essentially because they're shifting to such an NIL bring back the U focus. And I don't think he's the person who can, tap into the alumni base and the situation that BC has to really leverage that. Hmm. You, and you said, um, you, you know, you talked about the last two ADs being moving on to bigger and better things. And I look at the football and men's basketball coach, Jeff Halfley and Earl Grant as if they were to be successful at Boston college, potentially, doing the same way do you see like a realistic future i guess maybe long-term future if you're not happy with the ad hire but just any kind of future a realistic scenario in bc athletics where it's not just a stepping stone into higher roles or do you think the institution's just naturally limited and you have to kind of embrace that no i listen i don't think we're going to become the oregon or the northeast or or anything like that i i think if you were to ask bc fans they understand the limitations that are p- placed on this program. I think we have double-digit wins as a football program uh, twice in our history. Matt Ryan and Doug Flutie. You know, I, I think you were to say, okay, this is what the ten, this is what ten years of BC athletics are going to look like. We're going to go to a bowl game seven of those years. Of those seven years, three of them uh, will be frisky, and one of them will be, you know, in contention to maybe consider getting 10 wins. You know, that, that's, I think that's the perspective. No one here thinks that we're going to the playoff at four teams. Nobody thinks that we're going to be ranked in the top 10 every single year. We, we as a fan base understand where the program's at. And really the kind of the parallel goes for the, exactly the same for basketball. Make the tournament, not as many as seven in 10 years, but make the tournament, you know, three times a decade. Have some teams that can run with it, you know, create, you know, an identity with the teams uh, and go from there. I, I don't think anyone really has a problem with being a stepping stone um, because it, it's just our kind of our lot as the, given the size of our programs. Um, but, you know, I still think that there's ways that these programs can be put into a position where they're one of the better stepping stones or they're one of the programs that people respect and people could go to without jumping necessarily at the first bite. You know, I look at someone like PJ Fleck at Minnesota. Minnesota is historically a more prestigious program than BC. PJ Fleck's been there a long time beyond when people would probably say, think that he would stay there. And so I, I don't see why we couldn't get to, to that status. I don't see why we couldn't get to Iowa's status. 
um, in terms of our athletic programs where, yes, other people are going to go and have bigger seasons. They're going to use us to go somewhere else, but we can still make a good showing here and then we can still be a good place that you're not going to take the first call. Maybe you take the second, maybe you take the third, but you can still build a career here. Um, and while I, I think I think the state of our current teams is pretty good, I worry about where we're going to be five, ten years down the line. So you talk about realistic improvement, maybe, you know, being a tournament team every few years, being a nine-win football team every few years, but not consistently, but just signs of hope. Do you think that despite this Blake James hire, the fact that BC has two up-and-coming coaches, do you think they could still get to that, or do you think Blake James is going to consistent, uh, significantly halt that progress? No, no, I don't think he's going to halt that progress. I, I think that that's a, um, I, I think where we are, both as a school and the college sports landscape in general, is in a transition period. And until we are out of that transition period and into whatever comes next, I think that we're going to be, BC is going to be able to kind of hold its lot and improve and be able to operate within the current system and be able to go from there. I, I even, you know, with Hathley or whoever, you know, if Hathley ends up going somewhere else, same thing with Earl, you know, I think that the talent and the ability to function as a program are going to be there and, and we're going to be able to function in this world. The issue for me is that I, I really think the NIL, unless some major changes happen to it, the NIL landscape has really changed college sports, particularly the two revenue sports. And I don't see a world in which Blake James is the person to get us in a position, get us, meaning Boston College, in a position to evolve beyond that and evolve with NIL as it grows. So for the next 10 years, I am not worried about the state of Boston College athletics. I'm worried about what the 20 years after that will hold for BC athletics if we're not preparing adequately within these 10 years. And that's the problem. That, that's really where the concern lies. We're going to be fine, you know, for the next decade. Where we go after that is really where I have a concern. And where does hockey um, lie in all this? Because not a revenue sport, but a sport that Boston College, a lot of fans really care about. It gets a lot of attention regionally, very niche sport, but regionally gets a lot of attention and, I know a lot of BC fans have been saying they're kind of pleased that Blake James has Hockey East ties. I know it's not an ACC sport, but we're talking Boston College. I felt the need to ask you, what do you think about how the hockey element fits into all of this? The, the hockey element is interesting, and so that is one of the benefits to seeing on his resume. You know, he, to, to give him credit where credit is due, okay, you know, he has experience at a he, massive, massive program, one of the flagships of the ACC in Miami, even if their uh, sports teams haven't necessarily lived up to it recently. He does have New England, some New England ties, and he has experience running programs that have hockey programs. And, and hockey really is, you know, number three at BC in terms of sports that people hold in their heart and will go higher than that, uh, you know, for a number of people, depending on how the season's going and depending on how the overall um, other teams are doing as well. So it, it's it's firmly within the top three. And for many people, it's not three. Um, so I, I think it does play a factor. He does have experience there. 
but we're already doing a lot. And, you know, there's been some really disheartening rumors going around about uh, the president of BC's unwillingness to invest in hockey as a program and do things that our fellow competitors are uh, in the hockey scene are trying to do with creating new arenas, creating new space. And you know what? Maybe that's some somewhere he can help. You know, Blake James does have a history at various institutions of creating, you know, fundraising for projects, getting new developments made, etc. BC usually ends up being a different animal because the city of Boston uh, really holds their feet to the fire. But, you know, if he's able to, to really get on the ground and work people to establish a um, a better foothold in hockey, a better facility for hockey, I'm all for that. And I think that that's possibly something you could do and could bring. Um, but BC Hockey's got a new coach. They're going through a, a real period of transition here with Greg Brown coming in. And Jerry York, you know, the winningest college hockey coach, coach in history. Um, a lot of people are amped up about the hire, but it's it, it, it's it's again, it's that's the one program that's in a really a really big period of transition. So it'll be interesting to see um, kind of how that winds up now, especially that a lot of programs uh, in the north are investing in their hockey hockey programs. Well, Chris, it was good to get you on to have you talk about your concerns a little bit about the new athletic director hire. And I'm going to be honest, I had no idea whether you're going to be okay with it, whether you were concerned with it, because I know there's been a lot of various thoughts on BC, I see Twitter the most, so on BC Twitter over the last few days, the last week since it's happened. But I'm glad to get some good perspective from you. Just before you go, Chris, tell us where we could find you on social media, where we could find you on Twitter and all that. Yeah, no. So I uh, I tweet my thoughts into the ether on Twitter at 4Blogston. That's a little 4Boston reference, which is BC's fight song. Um, I comment on the 247 message boards under the same handle. And um, that's about it for me. Uh, look forward to the football season coming up. We've got a, got a live one on the wire this year, I think, for BC. And uh, – Looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. Like I just said in the last segment, BC over six and a half wins. So looking good. Hopefully love you guys. It. Love it. Love yeah. it. Yeah. I guess we'll end on that note. Thank you so much. It's been Chris from Four Blockston on Twitter. All right. Thank you so much, Dan. Have a good one. So like I've said, we've had our mix on this show of optimists and pessimists and realists and all that, but I think what's most important here with Chris is that he definitely offered us very great perspective. His reasoning was really sound, and I know he's not really feeling great about the hire, but it's good to know that it's not just blind pessimism. It's a real in-tuned feeling within the athletic department of what the issues are and what needs to be addressed and what maybe in the long-term future what might not be addressed by this hire so that was great to hear but that will do it for today's episode you have been listening to the dan siegel show thank you for your continued support of our content here at pipeline be sure to follow me at dan siegel show that is dan s-i-e-g-e-l show on twitter and maybe even leave us a five-star review if you're feeling generous once again this is dan siegel signing off